Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. It's great to be here, Dan. Um, all right, Chris. So, uh, good amount of action in the market since we, we last sat down. Um, you know, we we've been talking about and we've been witnessing you know a, a pretty large sell-off in small caps, cyclical sectors. Um, you know, that began in August, went through you know really the, the end of October, um, and since then we've we've seen a, a pretty powerful powerful recovery. Um, we saw bond yields they began to fall on, on weakening weakening economic reports. Um, reported inflation that was lower than expectations Um, and you know the two of us you know we've been discussing for some time that we thought that growth would continue to slow materially while the inflation firmed Um, but now right this this week's been pretty wild especially in small cap land Um, is a recent move higher in in what we would deem you know riskier components of the u.s equity market do you think that's justified by what we've seen in the recent data i think it is but i i think it's important for investors to step back and and look at what's driving it. So the fall in bond yields is not just the lower inflation, uh, inflation coming in a little bit lower than expect expectations. I mean, yeah, we, I mean, we were 10 basis points lower. The way it happened, I mean, it, it's within the, the error. So it, it, it's not really that big a beat. It's not that noticeable. And inflation has firmed as we've talked about. So easing inflation, the fact that we didn't get a hotter print is great. The market was expecting a hotter print. um, And so they were positioned accordingly. And we trigger a lot of short covering and and the unwinding of hedges around events like that. But that said, if you really step back, the weakness that we've seen since the end of August has really been driven by deteriorating economic fundamentals. Um, whether that's in Europe, whether that's Japan that's started to deteriorate, and Japan was an area of strength. But even in the U.S., we, we continue to see negative res- revisions to prior reported employment data. We continue to see um, weakening ISM and new orders. Um, and, you know, it was very well telegraphed that we were going to see a big reduction in federal stimulus to the private sector in the form of no longer deferring your student loan payments, there were pullbacks and and SNAP benefits, which are quite material, but often not discussed. We've seen a lot of disenrollment off the Medicaid rolls, which will continue. Um, And we saw the suspension of the processing of employee retention credits. And those add up to tens of billions of dollars. And that was like hitting a wall at the end of September and moving into October. And we're getting confirmation of that this morning with Walmart reporting, hey, second half of October was was difficult. It was much more softer uh, from a consumption standpoint that we anticipated. And while they've seen a little bit of it bounce back in November, they're like just choppy nature and wants us to be more cautious. Um, And so that is all consistent with a weakening economic environment. Now, when bond yields were moving higher before, we saw tech leadership was under pressure, right? So, you know, the the Magnificent Seven were um, in a sell-off. Now they've moved back to bullish trend. We saw utilities and real estate, meaning these bond proxies were under pressure up until we started to see the weakness in the economic data. So the falling bond yields are consistent with weakening economic data. It's consistent with the desire to continue to to bring inflation down, and that's going to come with weakening 
economic fundamentals, weakening earnings outlooks, and quite frankly, probably weakening employment. So to the extent you were an area of risk assets, so think about banks, real estate to a lesser degree because there's some fundamental issues there, but banks, over-levered balance sheets, um, companies that sell durable goods that require financing, those areas of the market have been under tremendous pressure because of the higher interest rates. And what the weakening data is signaling is, hey, we're giving, we may be giving the Fed space to be able to cut rates should the data continue to weaken, but at a minimum, we don't see the need for the Fed to continue to raise rates. So in that sense, we should start to see sector rotation in the market. There should be some rallying. It does not mean we're going back to the environment we were in before. It just means the worst case scenario from rate increases are coming off the table. And banks specifically could see some real relief. They're starting to build capital. They're reducing the amount of loans that they're uh, provisioning, or not provisioning, but extending going forward. We'll see provisions rise. We'll see credit losses rise. But we're giving the Fed the ability or potentially the ability to cut rates if needed. So yeah, some, some rallies justified, but a lot more sector rotation is going to occur. We're going to see shifts in leadership as we move through the next 12 months. Yeah. And that kind of leads into my next question. And this is more something that we, we talked about you know offline before before we started recording today. But um, you know, one of the comments that you mentioned is you thought that you know, the time for protecting capital has passed. And so you know, the, the question here sits is, you know, are, are you becoming more offensive with the portfolio? And, and if that's the case, you know, what, what areas of the market are you starting to eye? Yeah, and, and this is something, so when we say the time for protecting capital is over, it doesn't mean, <laughs> it, it doesn't mean that you can't still have bear market uh, uh, events. It doesn't mean that you can just rush out and buy high beta. What I'm, what I'm saying is areas where the sole issue, the sole impairment with the balance sheet, the sole impairment with the business model was the threat of higher rates or rates moving materially higher even if the Fed didn't raise rates. So think mortgages. Mortgages are approaching 8%. I think, you know, obviously agency mortgages are probably one of the most attractive assets on planet Earth today. Um, well, that means you can go out and think about those areas, whether it's building material companies, whether it's uh, finance entities, whether it's uh, mortgage REITs that buy mortgages, borrow short term and effectively lend long term by owning mortgages. They have been under tremendous duress. Those areas are going to get some relief. They have the potential to get relief in this environment. A, they'll get relief with just the passage of time and rates not moving higher. B, uh, you know, if we get rate cuts, they're going to get a lot of relief. And so that means, hey, you can go out and start being a offensive. What it means is exiting 21, given the inflationary conditions and the acceleration in inflation, given what was going to be required of central banks around the world to raise rates, and given the low level of rates built into valuations across multiple risk assets, you needed to protect capital. You really needed to protect against those drawdowns as we saw equity risk premiums rise and as we saw interest rates rise. And what I'm saying today is, look, 
we may get some rate cuts. I think a very healthy environment would be we have a shallow recession. Um, you get you, you you leave room for the Fed to cut interest rates to three and three and a half percent somewhere in there. Inflation bottoms out at about three and a half percent. So we don't have a positive real rate on the short end. You could have the ten year remain about where it is. You know somewhere you know, between four and 5%, meaning if you had 3%, 3.5% inflation, one to one and a half percent real growth, I would expect the 10 year to be about, you know, call it 450 plus or minus 50 basis points, because the 10 year should reflect what your nominal GDP growth rate is. So if you have a 10 year there and you have a Fed funds at three, three and a half, you have a nice positively sloped yield curve from a term premium standpoint, you'll get the collateral transformation, we'll work through the credit losses in the system, and we'll restart and move forward. And I just think we're, we're entering that stage of this. And so you buy the acknowledgement of the recession, you buy the acknowledgement of the deep uh, earnings cuts. And you've seen us do that. Like we bought home builders a year ago, we've already sold them in some cases. Um, what we've done over the last quarter and a half is, you know, we've been in, in small cap, we've been building up banks. We've been building up consumer discretionary because we're buying into the weakness because when you get the weakness, you get the policy responses from it. And that's typically when markets begin a bottoming process. I want to stress again, it doesn't mean that all assets move back up. That's not the world we're in. But areas that are oversold that are going to be allowed to heal where their fundamentals are going to improve, that's where capital needs to go. You don't need to be holding on to the most defensive areas of the market. Uh, and since I got you rolling on this, um, maybe talk a little bit about economic outlook, right? So we're you know, have, halfway through November at this point. Um, anything has changed since our last discussion? Any, anything you want to point at as, as we begin to transition into 24? No, I mean, quite frankly, nothing's changed in our playbook, but it's probably worth kind of reiterating, reiterating what we think is going to play out. So yeah, inflation's firming. The, the easing in inflation that we've seen, meaning it's going up less, not that it's going down, has been driven by base effects. And those base effects uh, are no longer supportive of a, a tremendous easing in inflation. So if we want to see an easing in inflation, we need to see weakness in employment and lower energy prices. So I'm not expecting the Fed to cut rates this week, next week, this month, next month, not in the first quarter. I suspect we'll get weak enough data. So we had weak October data, a lot of it driven by the auto strike. We've got resolution. We'll get a little bit better November data. Not great, just better than October. Then we're going to get weak data probably for December, January, and February. That's when we should see the weakest of the economic data, when you probably see the, the, the bigger concern in the marketplace. Some of that's going to be offset by just seasonal strength and liquidity coming into the market. Um, if we continue to see a decline, in, in, so, in the sovereign yield curves in and around that economic weakness, that'll provide some buffer. But the earliest that we should expect to start to see a reacceleration in economic activity is really kind of exiting the second quarter. So you get into late April and May or you get into June, you should start to see from a base effects, from working through the excess inventories, from 
um, you know, the recent reduction we've seen in energy prices, you should start to see a lift. We're also going to see the same phenomena being an election year with fiscal payments ramping up in the back half of 24. They really want to have as strong an economy as possible. We'll see increases in liquidity. So our game plan continues to rotate towards undervalued areas of the market. Uh, take advantage of the sell-offs. Take advantage of the rallies to sell things, the sell-offs to buy things. We really don't think you got a good chance for an all-clear till you get to the second half of uh, 24, but we, we plan to use this incremental weakness to position for that. Um, so no change in our overall playbook. It's kind of playing out as expected. All right, okay, well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up there for today. So thank you, Chris. Um, we'll be off next week for Thanksgiving, and enjoy that, and we'll, we'll catch you here soon. Sounds good. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson and, or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws. Securities discussed within this podcast may be held in the Von Nelson strategies.